It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. Today, we're going to learn how to recognize attempted and successful hacks by talking to Tom Gottfried, the owner of Thomas Gard, an IT consultant out of Libertyville, Illinois. Before we get started, here's a word from our underwriter. Welcome to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. I'm your host, Mark Mondo. We're on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website at wvlp.org or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show, like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Homes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Homes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs in Indiana for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zorio at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla español. I want to welcome you in case you're new to the show. Here's my backstory, and I'm sticking to it. I've been a consultant for small businesses for the last 25 years, helping small businesses implement customer relationship management, aka CRM, software, where I learn their business processes and match them with the right software to help them gain an advantage in sales, marketing, or customer service. But there is much more to becoming a success in business than just having a good CRM system. That's why I bring on guests to tell their stories and share tips on either technology, tactics, or trends they use to become more successful. So let's get into it and introduce everyone here today. To my side is the producer, the star soprano, and she's my wife, Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman. Hello, hello. Let's welcome... Thomas Gottfried, the owner of Thomas Guard out of Libertyville, Illinois. Thomas brings 25 years of experience in manufacturing, supply chain management, and information technology in the commercial printing, imaging, scanning, and defense industries from work at Moore, R.R. Donnelly, Rico, Vertis Communications, and GoGo. Thomas then formed the Thomas Group to take the uncertainty out of engaging experts in IT, infrastructure, networks, PCs, Macs, servers, and mobile phones. Thomas graduated from Purdue University with a BSIM focused in industrial engineering and computer science. He has also completed his MBA with high honors at Lake Forest Graduate School of Management and the Executive Management Development Curriculum at Northwestern's Kellogg Graduate School of Management. So I think Tom's got some skills in the background there. I think he does. 
I have enough background to do my own IT work for my home office, and I'm too frugal to hire anybody for my own stuff. However, I don't touch someone else's network because I just cannot keep up with all the potential problems I may create. So rather than me telling you how to avoid getting your computers or network to be compromised, I brought in Tom to educate us on how he helps clients get through the day without becoming a victim of the latest malware or phishing attacks. All right, Tom, tell us how it's done. Well, thanks for the introduction. Very complete. And I appreciate the opportunity to come here and try to explain a few things verbally. Typically, this is easier to show than to uh, verbalize, but we're going to take a shot at it. So I call this the anatomy of an infection. And the objective of this particular attack that we're going to explain in a little more depth is not to install malware on your computer. It's to take control of your computer and then examine as many things as, as possible, find passwords, find URLs to your banks, to your 401k, to go anywhere they can find things they, that is useful, not exactly right away. They may wait months. They may wait a day. Or they may just log into your bank and transfer money through Zelle to their own account. So it's much more vicious than a ransomware or a typical Trojan horse type infection that will broadcast email to everybody. So let me take you through how a lot sometimes this starts. And, and there's a number of ways to do it. But the typical entry point is someone clicks on a corrupt website. How would they get that? How would they know well, it's corrupt? They just, didn't somebody just, I, I they just don't go to Google. Know. Yeah, they don't know. The example I have here is uh, a client clicked on a HP site to download a new driver for the printer. And as we know, HP printers tend to get updates from Microsoft, HP, and other vendors, even if, especially if you have some type of driver update program. But this person removed it and then went and found a website. And the website was actually had some Chinese characters in the in the header. They didn't notice that. Next thing you know, they uh, got a pop-up on the screen saying, uh, printer driver installation has failed due to fatal error C00022, preventing the product from driver installation. Please call HP customer support at this toll-free number. And if now we this were is... showing a, if people were, I know we were on the radio, so it's a little hard to visualize what these guys are doing I'm going to call it pretty scary and pretty scary good is when they put up these error messages, they're spoofing HP's corporate branding. Exactly. So it's an HP logo. It's putting up the HP color space. Legitimate because they basically copied the branding. Yeah. Right. And now one way you can help yourself see that it's not legitimate is hover over the uh, tab and look at the actual website name. In this example, it's printlivepro.com. So even though it looks like it's got the HP logo and it's got a chat box next to it, it's actually printlivepro.com, which if I looked up, it's probably been registered as a 
as a uh, either it's been taken over by someone it's a real website or it's just invented probably so not that, by hp right oh, definitely <laughs> not because, well no i mean people because, might not know it's about trickery rather mm -hmm. than coming in as i call it, a black hat attack you know somebody coming in that is you know very obvious that it's malware it's this isn't obvious so you know, when you're no, looking at not. a screen, so I know we're trying to translate the visual medium into the radio, but yeah, I wanted to kind of get into that, how a screen could look like if you're getting. It looks uh, exactly like, you know, if I went to McDonald's and I you know, have all the McDonald's logos and colors and it's clean, it's not overcrowded, there's no spelling errors. And let me point out, everyone's bringing up chat GPT and open AI and, and all these things. Uh, what the hackers are using it for is to create the Queen's English or common English usage in whatever part of the country they're they're typically going across the whole country or the whole world. But it looks like a very good website as if HP published it. But the trick is it's not because it's, it's some other website domain. And there are ways to spoof that as well and make it look like it says hp.com. But let's just keep it simple. Look at the actual URL and then observe the same the same practices that you hear over and over. Don't rush. If it's too good to be true, it's not true. And don't be pushed into immediate action. But let's face it. When we have a printer issue and we're trying to get something printed for a, a meeting in two minutes or two or 20 minutes, okay, I'll just click on it or I'll call them. And that's what this person did. They called the number, believing it was real, and then allowed the hackers or whoever was at the under, end of this phone line to actually go into their computer through a remote viewer. In this Talk case, about that uh, a little bit. So what's kind of cool, what we the, the way the, the business has evolved on my end, even though I do I tech support on the application side, one of the greatest pieces of technology event in the 21st century, in my humble opinion, is remote desktop control software. So if my clients either across the street or across the globe, I can remote in with their permission right. and control their screen and fix a problem. So I'm using it. I'm a, I'm a I'm the good guy. I'm not a hacker, but they can do the same thing and be malevolent with the same tool. Right, Tom? Exactly. Think of Zoom. Yeah. You can allow people to see your screen. You can actually give control of your screen and your system to someone else. So that's remote viewing software. In fact, when I start working with some clients, we use a Zoom and I say, please allow me to remote control and I'll show you where to click and what to do. So that's exactly what happened here. They used, uh, you know, software like AnyDesk or TeamViewer or something. And uh, as soon as they got control in the background, they ran a script. And you can't tell that they're running this script. And the first thing the script did, which was quite unobvious to most of us, is they didn't turn off the antivirus or the firewall. Uh, and this, this client has my advanced... Uh, Zero Trust software, which is by Excitium slash Komodo, and has a record of never, ever, ever allowing an intrusion. But this person allowed the intrusion because they gave them physical access 
to their system through remote desktop. And that's exactly the point of this conversation today is you can have a lot of different tools. You can have malware bytes and McAfee and Norton. You, some people have five of them, which we'll get into that later. It, it actually have you put that on anybody's me. computer yet? Oh, we, won't, we won't name names, but you know, I've seen a couple of clients like they have WebRoot and malware bytes and then C cleaner. I can't say the other word. I think yeah, DC cleaner. Talking. Yeah, just saying they're out there, and you only you only want one because once you go to two or three, they take up a lot of CPU. They slow you down, and will they collide? They'll collide. Yeah, okay. it's hard to explain all the things, but mainly what what the average person who doesn't speak IT needs to know is it's going to slow you down. Oh, they don't want to hear that. Slowing you down is what leads to you wanting to click more and click faster. So, but what it did is turn off the auto containment and the uh, host intrusion protection, which is why they could then run a script, which installed auto start and installed the remote, another remote software so they could come in later. They also put in a registry entry. Now the registry is not, really understood by many people. Sometimes you'll see programs called RegEdit or Reg, Reg Finder. It's really used in very few cases. I rarely go into it because it's so complex, but they know exactly which registry entries they're gonna enter. And the one they put in is actually a bat file. And all it does is relaunch the same intrusion when you reboot. So. Can you explain that a little bit more to me? Can you explain yeah, the batch file is a batch the file. So yeah. remember yeah. the old DOS days, you'd write uh, a batch file if you wanted to copy. Every night you wanted to copy all your files from the A drive to the B drive. You just write a BAT file or a batch file and say copy A colon B colon. And it would copy so everything. It was like a uh, command to back up your files at night. Right. Okay. Right. It's still used. It's still the basis mm -hmm. of Windows operating system because MS-DOS, you know, Microsoft DOS, which created the whole Microsoft-based Windows operating systems, it's still DOS-based. Mm -hmm. So they use very basic tools here. And then they put a second one in. So not only do you have one, if someone finds it and removes it, they have a second. That happened to Cynthia's mother uh, a couple of years ago. Yes. Somebody found on there and it was redirecting email. So she would send an email out or either get, no, she would never, she could send, but she could never receive. Correct. Right? And they also made it that she signed up for some type of service that she wasn't aware that they had gotten her credit card and were charging this subscription to her credit card. We all know when we click on a, uh, like Amazon and it has our credit card saved. Mm -hmm. Well, once they get into your computer and they use your stored passwords to get into Amazon, then they can buy what they want or they can change the ship to addresses yeah. and all. But to your point, one way to be aware that something is happening is one of the first things they do is take your email and auto forward everything to them, or they they um, they just block it so that no email comes in. That's what they did. The auto forwarded everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right. we would sense. So they know everything. Ha if if they allow it to still come to you, 
But then they'll also put in scripts and rules that if anyone says, hey, Thomas, you've been hacked, they delete it. Wow. If you stop getting email, that's a sign (laughs) because it's been a day and a half and I haven't got a new email. Mm-hmm. Well, it's easy to find. You go in, you have to go into the web browser version of, say, Outlook or yep. Gmail and look for the command that says redirect email. So that's that's a sure sign that something going on. And I always, I always look for that when I disinfect a computer because I know they do that. I also now look for all these auto, these, these um, auto starts. So we, we opened up one of those batch files and, and here's what it says. The first command in this batch file that starts every time you start your computer is echo off. Now, once again, people who know DOS know echo off means nothing's going to show on the screen after that command. Even that command won't show up. So anything I type after this won't show up on your screen. So you, don't even, you don't even see the DOS prompt? You won't even see, you don't see anything. Prompt. Normally you'd see a command box, a CMD box. Yep. And you see all these things flashing. Well, I turn off echo off and I don't see the next command, which is echo cleaning up log me in rescue applet folder. And then remove files, remove directory. If not exist, this log me in, go to end. Basically, it, it reinstalls itself. And what and was the purpose of this particular hack? Was it to, to basically get all of his business files? To okay, get... let, let, me, you know, let me get into what happened next. Wasn't sure what was going on before he called me, but he noticed the cursor moving around and tabs opening up. The purpose was to get in remote control and start looking around and finding things. And they actually got into his Chase Bank account and started the process of moving money. But what they didn't think of, and they will in the next iteration, is they didn't turn off the screen. You can can turn them on. I can turn off when I'm working with you. I never do it because I want, I always assume my clients are watching what I'm doing, even even if they're not. But I always assume someone's watching what I'm doing. But if I wanted, I could turn off the screen and blanket. Yeah, I can, yeah, now you remind me, edited recall, I've seen that on Screen Connect, or disabled their input. You know, I can do that. Well, too. that too, and that they did that to him, because he's running, he's trying to, and then he called me and said, hey, somebody's on my computer. So my response was, turn it off, which he did, and then he brought me the laptop to my uh, office, and I started working on it right away, because I knew there'd been a full intrusion. But I turned it off without the internet, or turned it on without access to the internet. So it basically uh, contain it. Because I knew as soon as I turned on the internet, they'd, they'd be notified and start trying to log in again. Yep. Mm. And I thought I removed it. I turned it back on the internet to test it. And, of course, I saw the pop-up, saw them moving around. I turned it off again. I said, okay, I thought I removed everything. That's when I determined... There's an auto start. Yeah, just a fun fact. While you get into that, one of uh, uh, one of the CRM partners I work with, his computer never touches the internet. Air gapping, right? I don't know what an air gap is. I just know he do, he just won't let that computer on the internet. Period. That means it's not connected. 
to the internet or if it is it's through some type of dmz you know yeah. uh, but typically it means it's not even on the internet so it's air gap just it's i'm not connected to anything but itself okay so i know there'll never be any type of intrusion unless i plug in now this happened to me when i was working pentagon the whole story of the chinese uh trying to gather information on our fighters our navy jets and army jets air force jets so what they were doing is around certain air bases they were leaving flash drives on coffee on starbucks and the table and now flash drives used to cost quite a bit and they were rare so if you found one at starbucks you go oh someone forgot it here this true story you can look it up on all the hack sites it's an old story but this was happening while i was working there uh, between china lake and the proving grounds in california and 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 the Pentagon either other uh, every other week doing process improvement on IT security. And it was fascinating because they knew someone would pick it up, plug it in their computer, and it immediately infects you. And that's how they got a lot of the fighter jet designs, so it goes, and many, many, many other things. People's Christmas lists and you know, emails. <laughs> General you notice how it was emails. like old school. <laughs> misdirection mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah. what the even though it was against our nation you still have to look at how clever that was to just trick somebody into something that's innocuous it's still done being done mm -hmm. i found a flash drive at the dmv the other day sitting laying on the ground i took it out and i, I have it in my car because i want to air gap and check it out but I'll never put it into a real computer. I'll only put it into one of my my old Windows 7 test computers or something because it's just not worth it for. All but, right, so we, um, we got a life pro tip then. We just we just yeah. got a life pro tip out of this. Don't pick up stray flash drives at Starbucks. Exactly. Did yeah. not expect that today. That is yeah. that is a well, great, throw them in the trash. Throw worked them for a lot of trash. years. Now, the next thing we found on this uh, fellow's computer is the software, not only was it log me in and any desk, they also put Screen Connect. Hey, that's what I use. Yeah, now Screen Connect is used to be a, a very well-known, especially for MSPs like me, I used it, but it was renamed uh, ConnectWise. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't know, unless they've been in the industry a while. Oh, and let me back up. This is why you really want to take the time to find someone who knows what to look for. If it's your nephew, fine. If it's your husband, your wife, or your next door neighbor, I, I help a lot of neighbors, especially with their, their Wi-Fi networks. Like, I can't get signal. <laughs> it doesn't work. I go, well, you have one Comcast Wi-Fi in the basement, you know. Maybe bring it up to the first floor. But anyways, find an expert because you will in your haste to get something done or print that document you'll wake up and you're very likely your amazon account has shipped some new computers and widescreen tvs to people you never heard of or your bank account like my daughter had got hacked on a very simple but sophisticated chase impersonation on her text wow so, can you talk about that talk about yeah text a couple more rules on this Microsoft will not send you an email asking you or telling you you have to reset your password. The uh, FBI will not call you to say that you're in trouble. 
the IRS will not call you or text you to say you owe your back taxes. These are all done via mail, if even done. Microsoft doesn't even want you to change your password because password resets is one of the biggest issues. I spent two hours yesterday with an existing client just clicking on forgot password because he never writes down the password. He he says, I can remember them all. I'm like, well, then no, I, yeah. that's oh, a fatal flaw. Yeah. Because if you can remember them, you don't have enough passwords. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I got one yesterday, a spoof by PayPal. Like, yes, that's common right now. A, sp- a PayPal text spoof. Mm-hmm. So, what they um, ask you? Did you really send that money or something to that effect? And um, oh, so they were asking you to verify a transaction. Yeah. Did they ask they, for any personal information in that? I gotta go look. I, I threw it right in my spam folder, but because I don't, ha- PayPal doesn't have my mobile number. So, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so that's the best right there. If they don't have the the email or the number or the whatever they're contacting you with, it's pretty clear it's probably not them. But I get those every day. Um, you know, transaction didn't go through. Yesterday was uh, we're delivering some bookshelves, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, not me. But oh, that was the spoof? easy to remember. Yeah, it was a spoof. I didn't order bookshelves. But, you know, they they also, on the social engineering, they, they rely on confusion. And you're feeling that you should get something done right away so you can mm-hmm. delete the email. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe my wife or my maybe my cousin or maybe I'm in business with Mark Mondo. And Mondo ordered the bookshelves for you know, for the office and, oh, well, I better check it out. So I click on it and boom, it just takes mm-hmm. one click. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though, like I've heard where they will, if they get somebody else's address book and then send you an email out of the blue, they'll just dig into a friend's email address book and then start sending you stuff. Like they never talk to me at all. Yeah, they never two, you. And two, why would they say that? Oh, here's another one-click spoof on the Microsoft. You need to change your your password. That happened to another client, and fortunately, he called me right away. But by the time two hours passed and I got in there, they had gone into his web-based Outlook and set up a new tenant, which means, say, I have thomasguard.com as one tenant, and then they set up thomasguard1.com as a new tenant. Tenants don't have domain names. They're just a bunch of letters and numbers. But And they had sent 8,556 or something emails in the two hours. And Microsoft sent him an email and said, you are, you've been cut off until you call and fix this. We believe you've been hacked. So it went through his address book and several other people's. Well, I can't say other, but his organization. So there's six people or five people on this email system. Because he's an admin and they went in through the web, they were able to uh, basically enter right into the admin portal and start changing things. So what did we do? We took away his admin rights. Now I have them and his IT director, because I support his IT department and help them. I spent two almost three hours on the phone with Microsoft undoing the extra tenant and uh, a number of things. 
to prove to them that this wasn't going to happen again. Changed all the passwords, obviously. But the main thing is, I learned from this is, don't use your email address as the admin. Use thomas.thomasguard.onmicrosoft.com. And that would be your generic login when you create a, a new, I'm calling it tenant. That's a fancy word for login ID. The, it's like, a, but it's how you, it's how Microsoft runs your domain and email. So they call it a tenant because there's more than just email on that. There's SharePoint, OneDrive, all your security, all your, if you have a cloud, secure cloud files, it's all points to this entity called a tenant. And this is why I did not go into the IT business full time. <laughs> yeah, and disclaimer, I'm not a PhD in this. So if anyone's listening and and has like, no, that's wrong, just send Mark uh send Mark the hate mail. Because I'm yes. willing to yeah. hear the okay, you're wrong on this, but you're somewhat right. Okay. Well Well the the purpose of this whole show was to get people knowledge about what to look out for and how prevent getting hacked. And so I don't think we're going to get that much hate mail, oh, if good. at all. Good. Only only love is shown here at getting down yeah, to business with Mark Mondo. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't say everything is exactly because there's also different terminology that people use. And, but essentially, follow those rules that you hear all the time. Don't act in haste. Don't reveal any pin numbers or passwords to anybody who's contacted you first uh, because it's just typically not done even think about it when you call and set up a, a new account with Kohl's let's say they they said we are going to email your password they don't tell you the password they don't ask you to give them one over the phone that it's hands off so it's the same way here. They're not Microsoft. <laughs> Amazon's not going to say, oh, we've got a system error. We need you to tell us your password or we need you to let us into your bank account so we can reverse the charge. That That's also a current fish. They've been doing it to my 92-year-old uh, Uncle Bob. And now he's getting them every week. He hasn't fallen for it because as soon as they say, he goes, I'm hanging up. Good. Before we get into the next segment, we wanted to let you know you're listening to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM, a community radio station out of Valparaiso, Indiana. Thanks for listening, and let's continue. All right, we have heard a lot of horror stories about what could happen if an intrusion happens. Let's take the second half of this show and start getting into a proactive defense or worst case scenario. What do you really do when something happens? We've heard turn the computer off, but I want to go more into something proactive and something positive and not just have the fear every time you open up the computer that you're afraid to even look at email. So let's get into what we can do proactively to stay ahead of the bad guys. Let's, let's use an example. So Cynthia, I'm calling you from uh, McAfee. Okay. I see that you have ordered our $39.95 package. Would you please allow me to install it on your computer by remoting in? 
No. Well, why not? You want uh, the package. Because I, no, because I didn't order McAfee. I already have a security system on my computer. I don't oh, know I'm why sorry. you're calling I, me. I thought for sure it was your name. Maybe I got your name mixed up. But wouldn't? how about if I give it to you for free? No, thank you. And then I would hang up. <laughs> there you go. Here we go. Improv. I have no patience. I have, I, I'm very polite. But what I was the feeling you had when I was asking those questions? Invasion of my mm. privacy. Yes. Yes, exactly. Same thing if I, Cynthia, I've got your social, the last four numbers of your social security number, but I need to verify your identity. Could you give me the first three? And I would say, why do you need my social security number? And most importantly, well, who to... are you? Oh, I'm from Chase Bank, and I need to verify that you are who you say you are. No, I'll I'll give them a call myself directly. <laughs> exactly. Why would Chase call you to verify something they have? Right. Exactly. exactly. So my, my Uncle Bob actually clicked on a link on the web to buy McAfee. He paid the $39. And then he tried to install it, and there was a phone number, so he called it, and then they asked him, well, we need to log in your system, blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, he believed him. This is a number of years ago. He's now all on top of this. He's the best advocate. But that was the uneasy feeling he had. And then they said, well, it'll be $600 now for the service today. He hung up, mm -hmm. he called me, and I said, I'm glad you hung up. Let's inspect your computer. Because sometimes he'll say, no, I didn't let him in, but they let him in. Right. We all get embarrassed when we fall for some of these scams. And they're all called social engineering. Yeah, what's mm -hmm. that? I've heard that term. Um, Cynthia, our friend Danielle, who you met at Wedding Party 2. Yes. She she'll go to hackathon. She'll go to actually conferences in Vegas just mm -hmm. to learn this stuff. And she does it. Now she'll do it for a living, but she does it for fun. Right. And it is and, fascinating because you get, if you're a psychology major, you probably won't even learn as much as you do at hackathons. Let me give you an example. And what is social engineering to the rest of us? I've heard that. It's, I, it's, like, the con, it's like con artist to me. It's like the, the Yeah, con. it's like sanitation engineer, right? <laughs> I, I removed garbage. <laughs> It's or as my this. as my family would say, this is an old term we would use. They're a shyster, so yes. you know. But they're you nice. Can, they're nice, but you you don't trust them. And when they get pushy, that's when you said, "I'm gonna hang up." That's yeah. a, because if they're real, if they're really Chase Bank and they need to verify something, they will call again. Mm -hmm. These hackers typically don't. They their volume. So let me explain social engineering a simple way. MGM Grand got hacked not, not too long ago. As I understand it, again, don't quote me because I heard this secondhand. I haven't read it in uh, any articles yet, but eventually I will when I get caught up. I heard it as they went to LinkedIn and found a IT specialist, a help desk person, I don't know, first level, second level, whatever, and convinced them they were someone very important in MGM and they needed a password reset or something like that. And then they started, I, I assume, said, well, how's the kayaking going? How's this? How's your new dog? 
And apparently he gave in pretty quickly. Mm. They then went in and took control of the system with one entry point. Very embarrassing for that person, especially. Yeah. He or she's gonna be updating his LinkedIn resume after this. <laughs> I'd say so. This is a this is a big debate too about how much do you really want to make public, mm -hmm. especially on Facebook or LinkedIn. And you know, they've given us safeguards to say, well, only first degree connections or only first and second or Facebook only friends. But when you get up to four or five hundred friends and you lose track who they are and you can't believe that everybody's not going to monetize their Facebook or LinkedIn if they're contacted by the right people and the right the right frame of mind or desperate for cash or money for a medical or or trip to Bermuda or whatever, right? Right. So if you put it on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, it's fair game. Someone can find it. And if you pay extra on LinkedIn, you can see everything, right? Mm -hmm. LinkedIn yeah. Print, yeah. Right. Sales Navigator, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it used to be Spoke or some of those. Oh, Spokeo, yeah, Spokeo is that directory. Yeah, remember where you used to put in five business cards and you got access to ten contacts, so you could find out who was the CEO or the account. Yep. So another example, of social engineering. Though, I love this one. I worked at an office in Long Grove, and there were primarily two languages there. Chinese and English. We had a lot of Chinese uh, nationals come over to do training because the company was owned. Part of the company was uh, owned in China, part of India, part of Germany. So people would come up to the back door and you see them as you're going to the cafeteria and they knock and they wave and you like, okay, come on in. So how difficult would it be for someone to intrude on that company? And then hide in the bathroom like we've all seen on different TV shows. What was the last one? Better Call Saul. The guy stayed in the bathroom overnight and then snuck out. Like, right. he'd never been there, right? And that's social engineering. They've convinced you it's safe to let me in. But letting you in a door is, is just as bad, if not worse, especially with things with violence and anger, as giving a password. Mm-hmm. Tailgating is another one. That's not really social engineering, but it is in the sense if you're walking through a, a locked door and someone tailgates, comes right behind you, you should stop and say, I'm sorry, you need to use your ID to get into this building. Well, I don't have it. I forgot it in my, my car or my, my dog ate it. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, sir. Go to the front desk and register. You know, that's the right answer, but who wants to do that at work? You know, well, we're, trying to, yes. we're late for a meeting, you know. We're late for a meeting and we don't want to cause conflict. And exactly. we want to be nice. So that and the person doesn't nutshell. look like a threat. He or she right. looks charming. Yes. That like normal. Nutshell. They're not wearing the uh, black social mask. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Pizza delivery man. Well, he wants me to bring it to his desk. Yeah. Especially with <laughs> especially with all these delivery services where people I can't believe will order their McDonald's to be delivered to their office. So you could have anybody. They're not wearing a McDonald's uniform. They're hired to take an order. Oh, to the DoorDash or Instagram. DoorDash, right. So you don't know who these people are. And mm -hmm. I think what we're getting to is it's gotten more complicated and you just have to really listen to your inner voice that says this does not feel right. Right. And that was the purpose anything. of me. Asking you those questions because you your fur went up on the back of your yes you know 
fur coat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and you, it went you on the back of my neck. Yes, I wasn't sense right. It. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what else to look for? Anytime you're asked for information that we we aren't went through this, those are ready available email address, your phone number, obviously social security, PIN, whatever. But again, I think I said my daughter got hacked by someone who impersonated Chase and sent her a verification code from a Chase phone number or text number. You know, you can save those in your cell phone. So when they come up, you know it's Chase. In fact, I think Discover Card just sent me a notice they're changing their five-digit code for texting. Mm. And I didn't know. I thought maybe it was a hack. So I didn't click on anything. But then I went on the Discover website, and I couldn't find anything on it. But there's another simple practice. When you get something that's suspicious, close it. If it's an email, text, ignore it. Wait four or five hours. Why would you wait five hours? Well, if you have Thomas Guard with the, the XID, it takes us four hours to verify any new file, any new email. We use a company called Valkyrie, and they have artificial intelligence, which just means they have algorithms, and they have humans. And they will they promise within four hours they will make a determination, trusted, untrusted, or unknown. And if it comes back unknown or untrusted or malicious, it's actually malicious or un, unknown, it will not run on your computer it'll run in a virtual container and that's that's why i sell komodo it's the only zero trust antivirus slash post intrusion firewall it's got seven or eight different even has credit card recognition so if it sees a credit card on your computer it'll warn you if i turn it on most people don't want it but for the pci a uh, payment card international rules you cannot keep a credit card or even a social security number any type of pii on a system that's not secured and most people just say we're not going to keep them period we let the payment company you know we swipe the card and we never record it or, or keep it on a device in a restaurant or whatever the let the payment company deal with that because they have the liability and the cyber risk insurance. We do yes. that in our nonprofit organization. We have a procedure that if somebody wants to give a donation via a credit card, that they go through our payment portal, who is set up for that. And so we never keep any kind of credit card or social security number in our files at all, electronically or hard copy, for our own peace of mind and for our donors peace of mind so. now, i'm starting to worry about checks even and some mm-hmm. of the um, people i meet I, I went to vegas for that for one of those cyber conferences i'm going next week downtown chicago for a, a three-day and, and i do find it fascinating because i in one side i marvel and and admire the ingenuity mm-hmm. that if the hacker took that and applied it to a job or their own company where would they be I don't As know. I always try to say, there's CTO. such, a, you know, creative people. Why aren't they doing that for the, you know, for the common good of the world instead right. of? On the greed. other hand, a lot of these hackers buy their software, they buy the tools, and they specialize in harvesting. Let's say I harvest social security numbers. Mm-hmm. Another person harvests credit cards, and then I put those in a portal and sell them on the dark, the deep web. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So there, it's become, what, what am I really good at? Well, I'm really good on the phone convincing people to give up information. So, But I don't want to be exposed to the risk of using that credit card, so I sell it. That's another thing to be aware of. They're not typically the ones, like right now so much, trying to monetize it, other than I'm going to sell it and make my money and let someone else steal now mm-hmm. there's all different variations. It's like fencing. It. It's like the old school. Like if you, you stole a, a television set, but you're not selling yeah. the television. You just give it. You fenced it to somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I was in possession of stolen goods for two hours, and then I'm mm-hmm. off the hook, right? So the waiting four hours is to let software. Now, if you use a certain company that sounds like an Irish name, it may be two to three days before the hash. And what happens is. You get a word file, it's converted to a hash, which is like a Bitcoin or blockchain. It's all the same. You talk about Bitcoin. It's just a unique hash. If you change one character in that word document, say you change EI to IE, it's a whole different hash. So what uh, McAfee, Norton, all those great companies do is they... They're hashing your files. That's why it uses some memory, some power. And they always say, well, we have a very light front end. So, But in the end, if you're going to do it fast, you got to use CPUs. And then they they compare that against their, their lookup tables of, okay, these are all the known malicious file hashes. So they kind of take a file and turn it into the, I'll call it zeros and ones, you know, yeah, for the later. Exactly. So everything is universally looking the same if there's a database that has let's say a a trojan horse on it Mm -hmm. and they see trojan horse.exe which is a little obvious but let's say it's there and they see that pattern of the zeros and ones exactly well they're yeah they're looking for and they're also dissecting the the file into segments but typically if i send mark a bad file and you uh, scan it and then you report it as bad then all the different, you know, you can go to virustotal.com. That's a great site. It's free. And you can type, you can upload a file. You can type a URL. You can put in a file hash because there are ways to, you know, find the file hash in the in the file properties. I won't go into all that, but let's just say everything, even like your dollar bill has a hash. It's called a serial number. Okay, so that goes into a registry, which is shared by all these companies. There's about... 96, 97 when I go on virus total. And it'll tell me very specifically which antivirus companies have registered this as a bad file or a bad hash or malicious or whatever. Could be unknown, could be malicious, it could be a PUP, potentially unwanted program, Hmm. could be a PUA, potentially unwanted app. So you can get false negatives all the time if like you download something like AdAware. A lot mm-hmm. of antivirus services will take that hash of that file and say, AdAware is a potentially unwanted program. Some people love it. Others, they go, well, I'm not going to send them any information on my browsing habits, you know, the kind of thing. Like uh, some of those, again, those companies that have an Irish name, give you free website monitoring software. But come on, what was the last thing you got for free? Yeah, I have. Right. I did for many years, and I. You know, well, I'm saying a vast. I used really a vast. 
Yeah, I used the vast yeah. for, you know, but. Well, that's an interesting story. Bruce Rudig, who recently passed, a very super smart IT guy in Kenosha and, and Libertyville, explained to me why I could get AVG and Avast for free. So what is the cost of that? That's a, I'm curious. Said, I used to recommend said, You it can get it for free, free, Thomas, because they're really trying to sell the server instance. So they give it away free to build market share. And then they want you to put it on your servers because that's the real money. Okay. But these um, website scanners and stuff, they're really just collecting your personal information, in my opinion. I could be totally wrong on that. That's what I've heard. And that's what makes the most business sense. I'm going to give you a free extension that will tell you when the website's bad. But what do I get out of it? I get your browsing history. (laughs) I think in social media, you know, remember, yeah, it's free to use Facebook and whatever. But the the moniker that we all use is you are the product. It's kind of reverse. Yes. Yes. I'm paying for it through my eyes on ads. Yep. Right. Right. Or. I had an idea years ago that I would print photographs for free. And people go, well, you're nuts. I go, no, back in right, right after the Y2K bubble, the tech bubble, I realized the information in the photo was what I wanted. So if I have your name and your email address and your mailing address, and I scan a photo like they do now, and I can pick out, do you have a pet? Sell the mailing list to Karina. Do you own it? Do I see a Mercedes-Benz symbol on your car? Yep. I'm going to sell that to car makers. But with AI now, they can do all that, what I imagined. And I've I've done a number of patents just based on that anticipation. And they they always worked out because if you're five, ten years looking ahead, that's what AI is doing. It's telling me by your browsing habits, are you affluent? Are you going on a vacation? Are you about to buy a car? And that's exactly what Carfax and them do. And you start hitting car sites, you get inundated with ads for Edmonds or Kelly Book or reinsurance. You buy a car, one year later, you get five pieces in the mail. Do you want to extend your warranty? Yes. I got that. Yes. Yeah. So the other thing is sometimes when you want to start a search, you're kind of going, mm, do I really want to do that? Because then that means I'm going to start getting all this stuff in my spam junk folder. I'm going to get all these pop-up ads for this search. Is it really worth searching? Right. And, and you can okay. turn now, turn off some of that. Um, yeah. You can, the Calif- I worked with Hearst Magazines on the California privacy law to get them compliant with making you anonymous. Mm-hmm. About here's a little known fact. Mark goes on the web and says, I want to be anonymous. Okay. Now Mark says, I started getting junk mail. You sold my name. Prove it. Well, sir, we can't. We made you anonymous. We don't, we don't know you. We don't know your email. <laughs> so what we did is we put you in a different database. We disguised your email for reasons of marketing and things like that. But you can't be forgotten and prove that you were forgotten. So we had to create a a mechanism where, okay, Mark's new serial number is this. It's in a second secure database. So every time we run our our mailings that we're going to sell to people, we compare it to this, and it goes, boom, 
you can't mail to him. Now, there's loopholes. Hearst can still mail you ads. You got Golf Magazine. They're still allowed to mail you things on Golf Magazine because you're a subscriber. So there's actually now more than one level of privacy. You know, you have to opt. I think you can now have to go in and opt out out of like four, five, six different things. Yeah. Uh, yeah it basically comes upon the consumer to go to the business or the service they went to and go through the steps of saying, I do not, please unsubscribe me. From all and it's right this. on the bottom of right. the web pages now. It or says uh, privacy. You have yeah. to set it up in your account. So it's well, it's much more yeah. on you. It's more what I've heard. It's like get them on the list, send it out, and apologize later to the consumer. And then the consumer you say, Oh, we're sorry, we didn't realize you didn't want to receive this. Well, if, based if on the to, fines you know they paid in Michigan and California, they were super serious and they were a year. I got contacted about the same month that the the law went into effect and it, and it took us six months to get the software, the web pages, but it's not an unsubscribe button. It's a privacy button. Right. Unsubscribing. That's what I was trying to get at is that right. you it's as just, a consumer have to be much more educated and proactive mm -hmm. of any of these services by not just unsubscribing, but you have to go into your account if you have one and set up those. Right. Those, and then there's people settings. who were unsubscribing who never had any association with hers. Right. <laughs> it's right. like, okay, well, we have a, we, we set up a, a routine to record them. And it's not, again, it's not unsubscribe because that's email typically. It's mm -hmm. a no mailings, no junk mail mm -hmm. from sec, from third parties. Mm -hmm. Now, if you didn't subscribe to a magazine and you said, I want to be forgotten, then Okay, you're not getting anything because you're not a subscriber. Well, okay, I got a so, sidebar question on that. So we're for just daily web browsing. I've been a fan for a couple years of two two browsers. One Opera. Opera, yeah. That was the one of the early fast. It was actually made to be fast. But I use that because I, I just want to be different and Someone here is the star soprano that has starred in opera. So I do kind yeah. of have that double. Oh, so there. you had the affinity there. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, but opera now has privacy. And especially if you go through DuckDuckGo. That was what I want to get into. I want to kind of get maybe kind of one of our last topics but the one, getting into. The one I like of uh, research and I use now and then. And a lot of my customers are asking me, how can I browse anonymously? Can I use a VPN to do it? I go, yes, that will get you pretty far along. It has some back drawbacks, such as like state of Illinois called me once and said, we need to verify, you know, actually, I think they mailed me. Yeah, because if they if they called me, I wouldn't believe them. And they <laughs> said, please, please call our office at this number, arrange an appointment. So I checked the number and I'll make sure it wasn't a fraud letter. Because you have to do that. Again, don't jump on things. Let them sit, think about it. But they said, we believe that someone has stolen your identity or you're committing fraud. Because my, when I was doing things with the state on the, uh, like the income tax or the estimated tax system, I was using a VPN out of Kansas. Again, they didn't call me. They didn't text me. They wrote me a letter and said, please set up 
these are the times we're available. And it, it was very easy. Once I said VPN, the investigator, investigator who probably has a gun, although I didn't meet him in person, but you know, these, these are not people to mess with. <laughs> right. She said, okay, I understand. Could you send me a screenshot? But she didn't take my word for it either. I need a screenshot. You can mail it or you can email it to me. I said, well, I prefer to mail it just so I know it's going to where you're saying and that thing. But mm -hmm. it's all common sense, just like you would treat your taxes. Right. You know, and your social security number. I use Chrome, but I'm trying to avoid it because doesn't Google collect a little more data about you? I mean, that's the cost of free. DuckDuckGo yes. Duck, yes. Duck, tends to, I don't know how they quite get their funding yet, but DuckDuckGo is a little friendlier towards yeah. uh, data I use privacy. Uh, Brave. Have you tried Brave? I've heard of Brave. So tell everybody else what Brave is. It's a secure, they promise, I actually read an article where they had changed in ownership and may have gone back on the promise, but I think that's been rectified. I might be confusing that with great suspender which suspends your web pages to reduce memory but they've been banned a couple times by google for harvesting information but i believe brave is uh non i think it's non-profit not positive but typically they're open source they're run by organizations and they don't have the profit motive so much as they take donations but they promise not to track you and that brave i'm sorry brave or brave yeah brave browser yeah, one of my colleagues uses Brave, and she had like 50 tabs running, and it was running really well. I mean, it was a nice little browser. I think you have to pay for that. I don't remember if that was free or not. Which one? Brave? No. no. They give you credits for clicking on things. Okay. And you can set up a wallet to accumulate it, but I've never tried to use it. or I don't know what it comes out as. Okay. But well, I think so we covered the main of you know what to look for. and. Just keep in mind, if you feel uneasy, just hang up. Yep, Hang up or delete the text or do not respond. Click or on wait. anything in your email. I mean. Call a friend, phone a friend yeah. and say, hey, because usually these go out to the same mailing list. Because as I say, they mm -hmm. harvest and they send it to 8,000 people and you just, they don't get rid of those email addresses. They, right. Especially if you open it. Because there are ways about email stuff. That's you know, Salesforce.com and CRMs like you do, Mondo. You have tools, little pixelations that tell people. And you've ever opened an email and had a, someone call you from the same company within a minute? Yep. That's scary. Notified. But that's yes. the CRM oh, software working. But that's hey, that's me. <laughs> that's a valid thing, you know. Now. If you didn't sign up for the service or this or that, I mean, they get a whole different set of questions and I can and can't spam law and all that. But it's a valid way to finally find people when they're actually thinking about the subject that you sent them. Perfect. Well, on that note, we are reaching the end of the hour. So I'd like to thank Cynthia for keeping us on the level and on time today. I tried. I don't know if I was that successful today, but it was very helpful information, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Like you guys inform me of things that to look into and think about as well. If you missed some of the show today, you can listen to the replay on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time on WVLP 103.1 FM 
or live stream at www.wvlp.org. And we store the past shows on Mark's website at www.mondocrm.com forward slash podcast. Or you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app at any time. We're listed in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Just search for Mark Mondo and the show will come up and you can subscribe to the show for the latest updates. And the show is now on YouTube. Just search for Mondo's CRM or Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo and the episodes will come up on the YouTube feed. Thank you very much for spending time with us today and we'll see you next week.